Hi, hey, hello everybody, good evening and hope you've had a good game week 20 so far. FPL teacher here bringing Brighton's comprehensive victory over Liverpool under the spotlight. We look at what Deserby's side did it well to deserve this particular victory and at the same time, we, for FPL purposes, we look at how Liverpool changed their side yet again to fit another summer signing into the fray and to see whether they are worthy investment moving forward. Brighton. Their 4-2-3-1 this time round had McAllister come back into midfield, so Pascal Gross unfortunately dropped to right back. Now this wasn't a bad thing necessarily, as really their plan A, as well as their plan A and a half, brought home the three points. And the first part of this really essentially brings the left side into play, as Kaoru Mitoma and Purvis Estupinian dominated the first half so much, so that the Number 10 here, Adam Lalana, coming in instead of Samiento played such a crucial role in ensuring that their wall pass combinations in the final third were successful. In the first half itself, Lalana's wall pass combination, his pivot play involved receiving a ball from the two midfielders, Casedo and McAllister, and playing them either side. But crucially here, the wall pass directions were really important because Lalana would position himself between the two centre-backs and wherever it came from, he would play down the same side. So if the ball came from the left half space through Casedo, Lalana would play behind into the left half space for Mitoma to chase. Similarly, on the right side, if the ball came from the right side through Pascal Gross or McAllister, he would immediately play down the right side for Solimaj to dribble at Robertson. Having said that, the, the unfortunate thing was the number one Konate was quite privy to all these passes and were mostly cut out. But with Mitoma failing to finish his chances in the first half, the second half brought a different type of wall pass combination. Evan Ferguson, the 18-year-old hustler as the number nine, put his worth out there by not only hustling Liverpool's midfielders down, but also to create vertical wall pass combinations, either playing it backwards or flicking it over the top for the likes of March and Mitoma to chase. Now that being said, open play combinations as such only punished them later on. So really what took the lead was their counter-pressing play, which mainstream media doesn't really talk about enough. Deserby puts his midfield five all as a barrier between Liverpool's back four and their midfield three. Now, cutting out passes is not exactly an easy task because Liverpool's midfield move quite well, especially Thiago Alcantara. He's quite slippery to mark. And so really it requires a specific player who could hustle the midfielders off the ball. And Evan Ferguson was once again the hero with his deserved assist. Now, robbing Fabinho is not an easy task because of the awareness that he has, but Ferguson this time round chose to tackle the blind side of Fabinho, depending on which foot he used to receive the ball, and this worked wonders. For FPL purposes, this basically puts Evan Ferguson as a firm consideration as the third striker up front, easily benchable if he eventually doesn't start, if not fantastic as he first up after his imminent double game week. Liverpool, the 4-2-3-1 or the 4-3-3 variant here really 
revolved around the headline signing of Cody Gakpo. With him showing his tendencies as a number 10 in the World Cup for the Netherlands, the question was whether he would play the Roberto Firmino role here in this side or whether he would just play a simple second striker role behind Mohamed Salah. The answer was both. But the former occurred first, where Gakpo would be central, Salah would be strictly wide on the right side, and then Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain would drift in from the left. Now, this approach was quickly abandoned after 10 minutes where Salah eventually drifted into the centre with Cody Gakpo playing a lot deeper, playing quick first-time passes to release Thiago and Henderson in order to find the likes of Salah later on. So this relatively complex system didn't exactly bear fruit for two particular reasons. Number one, when Salah was doubled up upon by the Brighton centre-backs, for example, Thiago and TAA were the ones making crucial runs forward. Thiago was rarely used, strangely, but TAA had a lot of the ball with nobody in the box to target. Darwin Nunes was supposed to be the physical presence at the back post, and this time round, the unfortunate thing was that the far post runs fell for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who had a fantastic chance to take the lead, but was not taken here. Now, at 2-0 down, Liverpool were really under pressure, and for FPL purposes, we are interested in how they will mount their comeback. The problem here was that Liverpool did not choose to press any of Brighton's centre-backs, basically electing to put out the same strategy Brighton did, as mentioned earlier. But Brighton never really intended to find their midfield duo in the first place, instead going a lot longer, and Liverpool just reacted so slowly that they waited until the 75th minute before bringing on a whole host of youth. In this particular case, Nabi Keita and Javi Elliott shone the brightest as they put pressure on the right half space in particular in order to feed Salah immediately. So, at this stage, much of Liverpool's strategy still revolves around Mohamed Salah. So, keeping him at least tactically, if you're not keen on moving money around, is a valid strategy. But here, at least in terms of investment, we're facing this money... money abundance, money surplus issue, where we're selling so many premium players due to the underperformance, buying Arsenal and Man United players especially, that we have a lot of money in the bank. And this is where TAA should be reconsidered for investment. With Trent usually culpable for a lot of the goals Liverpool concede, we at least know that he still is firmly within the creation aspect of their play and it's just a matter of time before TAA gets that usual assistant bonus where that puts him firm and ahead of the rest of the premium players. The takeaway from this comprehensive victory was something that has been mentioned for a couple of weeks now. A system that is well worked wins games. Brighton are fortunate enough not to suffer any major injuries and despite losing their top scorer in Leandro Trossard after a bust-up between himself and the manager, it's good to see that the system still remains at least philosophically as their attacking combinations continue to morph by implementing and integrating new signings. As for Liverpool, it's slightly the opposite as they've basically lost their spine in a lot of their attackers as well as Virgil van Dijk. 
So the space, in terms of space management, they have a lot of issues to deal with. But crucially here, Liverpool are struggling to maintain momentum across 90 minutes as the catalyst for stepping up from second gear into anything above third really has been woefully lacking. And this is something that we will look out for to see if Liverpool can change their fortunes at the weekend.